Welcome to the freshest episode of Myo Matters. Today, we are going to cover all things female and exercise. We often treat our clients different for conditions and circumstances, but how often do you thoroughly consider the difference in gender and the role which it plays in our injuries, recovery, and rehabilitation? Nicole from Embrace Movement joins us to investigate how we as clinicians can be more aware of the female anatomy and adjust our treatments accordingly. Nicole is an exercise physiologist, pelvic health physiotherapist, and director of Embrace Movement. Nicole personally embarked on her own rehabilitation journey during her time at the Australian Ballet School, which drove her to want to help others to find their drive. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks, Tessa. Thanks for having me. Now, Nicole, as females, we often, I guess, in society really, um, I guess, push to be treated equally, treated at the same level, treated with the same standard. But when it comes to things like physiotherapy, exercise, myotherapy, I think it's really important that we start to push to be looked at differently compared to our male counterparts. And we actually start to appreciate the fact that the female anatomy and the female body actually responds not only anatomically, but also hormonally very different to our treatments and also very different to exercise. What I guess makes us different um, anatomically that that we need to kind of be aware of when we are receiving treatment or exercise. Yeah. So like you said, it's the reproductive system and our hormone profile that makes us very different. So I guess knowing that estrogen has a big impact on like binding to collagen um, and therefore our skeletal system, it goes through a lot of estrogen drives, a lot of that growth during puberty. So the growth plates um, in that stage might be helpful for those patients Mm. you're seeing in the adolescent timeframe. Um, as well as them them training during their cycles, um, you can really use that for your advantage in their rehab cycle or their rehab period, as well as like the effects on its mood that estrogen has on its mood, and that can really impact your rehab and things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's probably a lot of ladies that are listening when it comes to training with your cycle, which I think is maybe something that's kind of come up recently. It's a big trend. Um, yeah, like I feel like it's been around for a while, but I feel yeah. like we're on that vibe. It's, it's in vogue. It's in vogue at the moment. <laughs> Uh, look, I'm not sad to invoke at least someone's listening yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess as we move through our lifespan from adolescence, when you've discussed that our hormone profile and that bone density really kind of develops, then moving into, I guess, pre-post-pregnancy or menopause, and then we start to move into our elderly age. What, I guess, are the different things that we see during the lifespan for us as females? I guess if we're going to start at adolescence, obviously that's going to be the start of our cycle as well. But in terms of your injury perspective, those growth plates, you might see more, you know, growth-related injuries. And then if you're overtraining, your cycle might become stop-start. And that's kind of really important to keep a track of too, because then that increases mm. your risk of like stress fractures and those bits and pieces if they're overtraining. And then during pregnancy, again, you get a big surge of estrogen and you kind of see it when you, you know, they come in with their sore back, sore hips, and you kind of see it fluctuates a number of different weeks. And it's all got to do with the estrogen peaks and troughs during that. So you kind of just need to be that in the back of your mind as well. Like, oh, there's another patient at 27 weeks with back pain. <laughs> um, it's like damn estrogen again. <laughs> yeah, estrogen again. And that's got to do with the collagen. Um, not not relaxing. It's actually estrogen. That's the problem there. Not relaxing. Everyone thinks it's relaxing. Um, when else? During postnatal, super important, I guess, in terms of checking in when they get that cycle back. Um, they're also really sleep deprived. Um, they actually are really low in estrogen. So again, 
they might have, I guess it's not really much more of a my matter, but you know, like, you know, returning back to intercourse and those bits and pieces mm. are really, really important. Um, and just kind of direct them back to a women's health physiotherapist or their GP to kind of get some things on board to help them out. If we're going then to the menopause stage, then um, bone mineral density is a big, big one there. If they go through, you know, menopause early, they're at risk factor of osteoporosis. Um, and also estrogen's really a um, like cardiovascular protector. So keeping in mind that you might need to, you know, get some estrogen on board to keep them, so sending them back to a gynecologist to kind of keep them overall quite healthy um, as they age. Um, you also find that their mood drops a lot. Estrogen has a lot to do with your mood. Mm. So keeping in mind they might not adhere to some exercises and bits and pieces, they're so <laughs> exhausted. Yep. So um, keeping that in mind, trying to keep like a bit more motivational interviewing with those sort of patients as well um, impacts your sleep a lot too. Um, and then they get really conscious about that weight gain. And it's not because of the the loss of estrogen, it's just because there's reduced activity and there's musculoskeletal changes. There's less skeletal muscle and they lay down more fat but they still stay around the same shape but or the same weight but that mm. distribution kind of changes um so they get you know, you know quite low about that and that's just this vicious cycle so they stop moving they get down and it's all just that hormonal changes that is the reason yeah sounds like through any there's, stage of anything um hormones are just just the reason for everything yeah <laughs> yeah you know when i'm going through ovulation it is i'm feeling good ready to rock and roll <laughs> and as soon as I hit luteal phase I need that mocha like that's you know that's my turning point so I've got a mocha in my hand that's it I feel like this is most of us and most yeah. people will be able to relate to this it's like I'm just gonna hibernate for at least four days and then I'll be back yeah. fine uh, <laughs> two weeks no. <laughs> and you're gonna play that's that the luteal phase for all of luteal the phase, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing right you need to talk to your patients because only 10 to 15 percent actually have a 28-day cycle. Um, the rest of us are still figuring it out. And that's where it's kind of really important to start tracking and also tracking your training. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really important part for us as clinicians to ask is, you know, like what is their cycle like? Do they know the, the, the length of it? Is it regular? Um, is it inconsistent? Have they are, they are they experiencing a menstrual period or are they not? Because that can be really reflective then yeah. of what's kind of happening with their hormones for them. Do we yeah. see um, progesterone and testosterone play as much of a part as estrogen or are they not as hectic for us? It's mainly that estrogen drivers yeah. for, I guess, our system. I guess during um, pregnancy, progesterone has a huge, huge play. Again, it's for creating, you know, it's the main hormone that kind of creates growth during pregnancy. Um, so that's the big one in there. It does play a little impact, but not as much as estrogen during like your regular cycle in terms of like training. Yeah. It's more like yeah. estrogen and ovulation um, where you get that big surge of estrogen. Uh, testosterone, yeah, obviously it only works in a 24-hour pattern. Like, like I said, if we're talking about men, they rise in the morning, it decreases at night and that's about it. And that's, that's all it has to play. So I'll play a little <laughs> bit each day, but not as much as our cycle estrogen yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, um, interesting. Fun to play with. Yeah. Um, I guess when it comes to exercising and rehabilitation for women, how are we seeing that response being different for them? Is it that we need to load differently? Is it that, um, you know, like it really is dependent on what part of the cycle? How do we tend to kind of work I, with that? Yeah. So, yes, you can a little bit again, but I always go off how the patient is feeling as well because. 
if there's some people that will track their cycle, oh, no, I've got a down train here because I'm not feeling great because they're having, you know, low mood and all those things, they might down train then. But if you're feeling pretty good, you still train. I guess the only thing to be mindful of is during ovulation, that estrogen change when that estrogen is high, um, you can get a bit, little bit more ligament laxity or not laxity, but a bit more mm. ex- extensibility. And as it increased risk, you all seen it like ACL injuries, have a yep. bit more of a peak during ovulation, they think. It's not 100% conclusive, but just knowing you might need a down train. Again, if you're losing your cycle, you're overtraining and we need to keep, you know, that on board too. And then where was I going with that? Yeah, and I think too, like I know for yourself in terms of being a younger athlete that was in professional work, And I know that I've seen quite a lot of professional athletes come through, whether it's dancers, whether it is netball players, whether it's rugby, that I know a lot of those girls experience that overtraining portion, the reduction in their uh, menstrual cycle. Um, And I know in netball specifically, they're doing a lot of that research into training or rehabilitation that they maybe shouldn't be doing during, I guess, that time of high estrogen to putting them at risk of ACL injuries and things like that or Achilles Um, or gluteal tendinopathies. So what have you kind of seen there with those women that I guess overtrain in those those kind of teenage periods or teenage to, you know, like younger 20s? Yeah, so I wish I, back when I was dancing, actually had more education about this. I think I would have changed how I trained back then and wouldn't have done the silly things I did, you know, waking up every morning (laughs) and trying to do a plyometrics program, which is just not it. Hindsight's Um, a magical thing. Oh, it's beautiful. (laughs) Wouldn't have woken up 5am every day if I knew that. Um, <laughs> but um, I think educating from a younger age is one of my big things now is just kind of laying down some foundations that what normal is, when things should be happening, really tuning into your body. Like if things are throbbing, like don't just push through number one because um, it's most likely it's stressy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, I guess losing your cycle is a big one. I think if you're getting repetitive pain, again, you need a down trade. I think also with ovulation too, you can get some personal bests out because you are feeling pretty pretty high on life with that estrogen on board. But then I guess focusing on a little bit more cardiovascular, I think they're saying now in your luteal phase is more important and then in your late follicular and in, into ovulation is more strength-based. Again, you've got to go off how your body feels and go from there. And how do you work with your patients in terms of, you know, like if they're given a training plan or they are essentially just training and it's not underneath your plan, they're just running on the weekends or whatever they want to do. How do you work with those patients for them to understand how their body are feeling? Because I know a lot of patients just don't have that connect or don't mm. uh, like, like, let's be real. You'll be a runner and you'll be like, when it hurts. And they're like, well, I don't have that concept. <laughs> um, and I can imagine dancers are very the same. Like, yeah. and I think as females, we tend to have this attitude of like, Wish. we just power on a lot more. Yeah. Do you use something like a like a perceived rate of exertion or like, how do you get them to identify or at least begin that process for them because I think that is such a hard thing. Yeah, so definitely I use the RP scale a lot um, in a lot of sessions, even throughout, like when I'm teaching a class, I'll kind of touch base because I teach a lot of postnate women. And if they've had a poor night's sleep, um, they've been on the go, they have had no time for themselves, probably haven't eaten enough that day as well, Making checking in with them. And I always say for those sort of patients, like never run when you've had a poor night's sleep um, is my big Mm -hmm. one. 
sleep's super important for healing. I guess then down training, like not trying to do lots of big runs in a row, try and space them mm-hmm. out. Down, make sure you cross train. Cross train is really like underutilized, yeah. I feel. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of like, like, I'm Pilates or I'm a runner and that's yeah, it. That's it. Um, yeah. Um, what? What, what do these Pilates socks do? Um, yeah. So um, I think cross training is super important and it's actually going to, it's going to make you faster. It's going to make you, you know, it's going to actually develop, you know, those small intricate muscles to kind of help you go, help stabilize off you go. You can get further before you get a bit sore again. Absolutely. Yeah. I do think, find, yeah. Do you find some women, um, obviously during our ovulation period, we feel like we're conquering the world. So we hit some magical PBs mm. and then we expect the same thing, like that continued, I guess, idea oh, yeah. of like, okay, I hit a PB of, you know, like 80 kilos, then I should always, you know, it should be 85 next. It should be 82. Yeah. Like it should be. A good old ego, ego lifting yeah. during ovulation. Where, <laughs> where, yeah, no, you become like this superhuman. You're like, why can't I do this? Um, that being realistic about what my body could achieve on that day and that it's okay that, you know, a week later I go back to 75 or 70, like that, that is quite a normal process. Cause I think we think like in this scale of like, well, now I've hit that. I have to keep progressing. Whereas are we just like asking ridiculous shit of ourselves? Like, (laughs) yeah. You remember that good old yield stress back at uni days? (laughs) Yeah, so we do have a point where, yeah, we need to drop back. And, like, you're not, you want to be able to drop back so you can do, you know, more sets and reps. So I think if you kind of change your headspace that you don't need to do a one to three RM every session and drop your weight down, go back to your, you know, three sets of 12 or 15 and kind of, you know, utilize that loading capacity to kind of help you bring up. And then maybe the next time you're ovulating, great, let's try another. Or the next two, three cycles down the track, you'll be able to tell there'll be some gains there. You're not going to get a new PB, one arm, personal best every time. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. I think I've been sitting on the same weight for the last year and a half. So <laughs> I think it's true. It's very similar when it comes to even like um, runners that, you know, like it might be during that ovulation period, we we're able to run five minute kilometers. We smash it out. It was great. And then a week later, we kind of cruise in on the in. luteal phase, yeah. Yeah, we into the luteal phase and all of a sudden I'm at seven-minute kilometres and I can barely function. Yeah. And it's like, and it can be quite disheartening, I guess. And I think when it comes to rehab and exercise, that possibly that explanation of what's occurring yeah. for women helps them then manage their expectations yeah. and realise it's not you going backwards. It's not that you're not training enough. Yeah. It's not, and It's not that you know, they, it actually is part of what's occurring for yeah. you and making sure we're keeping a track on sleep, keeping a track on food. And if we know those things are okay, we just got to understand our bodies are a little different. <laughs> yeah, using it as a bit of a superpower rather than it being um, a bad thing. Yeah. Just hope all your races are during ovulation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then again, like you can have some women that um, I guess in the pelvic health world, you can, can be a little bit more headier in your pelvic floor during your ovulation. And then for it, like it might not feel good to run on those days. So it really depends on like your symptoms of the cycle. If you get like ovulation pain, the last thing you want to be doing is yeah, pushing through a run. But again, you might be peaking a bit more in that later follicular phase. So you just kind of have to start monitoring of how you're feeling and what sort of training and go from there. Yeah. And you do, you gotta, use any, do you use anything specific with your females to help track that at all? 
I suggest sometimes there's a couple of apps that are out there now. Um, I personally use the Clue app. I just find it's easier. You can kind of put any other symptoms that's going on if you've taken your medication, if you haven't, that sort of thing I find is also quite helpful. And you can track your exercise in there now too, like you can put yeah, mm. running Yeah, it's weights. a really cool app. I've seen that. Yeah. It's, um, it's a very rad app to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's more and more coming out. So I think they'll get more fine-tuned as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess for cl- the cl- clinicians listening for us today, how do you think it's best for them to begin to incorporate these changes into, I guess, their treatments or their rehabilitation for women? Like I can imagine it for you as a women's health physio. I yeah. have worked in a women's health clinic. No one gives a shit what questions you ask them there. But no. I guess if we're sitting in a more of a sporting clinic Sports. or not a women's health clinic, it may be quite an aggressive question to ask about their menstrual cycle yeah. or something like that. Like, what do you think is like the best way for us to begin to recognize and I guess turn the lights on to these things for our practice? Yeah, I think it does come down to being more comfortable to ask some of these questions. So, like, you kind of need to know when they, you know, first start having their period, whereabouts they're in their cycle, in particular like their last menstrual period, if you're getting a lady that's coming in with, you know, um, like glute tendinopathy is over, mm. you know, that. 50 to 60 year old range you just that's a key example of like oh there's probably less estrogen on board plus a bit of less activity I think that's kind of handy uh, at times or even um, you can get little clues on like what medication they're taking so in your mm. subjective they're kind of key little bits I kind of ask um you can also ask if they've had like any stress fractures and those sort of things or in their pregnancies that they have you know this sort of pain or you know pelvic pain and Mm. try and get a bit more of a key of understanding there and if you've got a pregnant patient talking about the hormones because they already have so many other practitioners talking about their hormones and they're feeling what's going on so they're okay and in 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 practicing asking um if you find talking about you know hormones of pregnancy patients then ask them about when they started getting their first menstrual period just to kind of get used to asking those more intimate questions um i think the most important thing is building rapport with your patient and and educating them why you're asking them. So like, uh, I think you might have a stress fracture if you're not having a menstrual period, then X, Y, and Z, you know, you might be overtraining. This is why you've lost your period and kind of link it back. Um, I find yeah, super I think it, it really looks to, I guess, find some of those underlying issues, which I guess myos are pretty well known for to find yeah. out those things that we could be treating, you know, like shin splints as such yeah. for a very long time and we're not seeing progress. Yeah, we haven't asked the question. The female at 25 is still not, like she's inconsistent with her menstruation. Yeah. She is then overtraining with running or dancing or any, you know, touch football is another really great one for that. And that we're missing the point here that there, there's so much more happening than it than like a, a simple shin splint that's really occurring. Yeah. So um, I think it is, you're right, just becoming more comfortable with asking those questions of our female patients and, making it a normal thing like yeah like we all experience I don't understand why it's so weird um yeah. we all get real weird it, about it and I'm like yeah oh, but we all do that oh trust me me going into work I'm like modulating I'm really great <laughs> next day not go okay crying no longer ovulating <laughs> no longer give me that mocker <laughs> So, so yeah it's just becoming more I guess more comfortable with those questions yeah. and, and understanding think- what they are I think the younger ones are more comfortable now. I think, yeah, I guess the older ones are a little bit like, 
I guess, taking their time, you know, they haven't spoken about it before and they kind of get shocked. Yep. You ask these questions as well at times. So don't be, don't be, yeah, just make sure you just educate them while you're asking them. And yeah, I think they come around to it pretty quickly. But yeah, the young ones are usually pretty good. And then the sporting ones, especially if they're quite, mm. you know, elite up there, they've got a team already that's already looking after them. And yeah, they know their it boys is. more than anyone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's then about educating them to understand what their body is doing and what it's feeling and, and what it's going through in those times as well. I guess my other question comes down to is, you know, if we're returning from injury, um, you know, like the classic postmenopausal gluteal tendinopathy for a woman that's returning to running because her children are now old enough um, or, you know, like the classic ACL for our females um, in the younger years, if they've kind of had one of those chronic injuries or acute that has then essentially become chronic, what's the motivation to get them back into things? Like, is, is, is that the point when you start to educate them about these things so they don't have that issue in the future? Like, how do you get that motivation back to them? Because I know for some it can be quite disheartening. Yeah, so if it's about a particular injury and then losing that sport or things like that, yeah, I think then mm-hmm. educating on the the bigger picture of, you know, bone health, mental health, I find the big one as well. Like just moving for mental health is more than anything. I guess also just trying to have a reduced pain-free or pain-free like daily activities is a big one too. So just kind of educating that. Also just, I think just educating is the biggest thing and kind of knowing what they're going to expect in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know, I always use a good example for some of my oldies like that, you know, quad strength is the biggest predictors of falls risk and that's why we're doing so many sit to stands. <laughs> um, so my are on fire. Yeah, and why they want to get up from the toilet without using a handrail, that sort of thing. So I kind of always bring it back to those daily activities for those ones. Like, plus then it's going to help your glute tendinopathy if we then put a booty band around it and off you go. So, yeah, trying to bring it back to what they want to do as well and try and rehab them back as much as you can or find a, a middle ground where you're kind of getting a mix of both of them too. Yeah. Finding that relevance for them I think is really important. Yeah. I guess my last question for you as well, we obviously as manual therapists um, and you would know this being EP and physio, and this is like a really good one that I ask a lot of questions for. I'll have my female patients that some days like can handle a lot more pressure um, and a lot more aggressive needling as such, but on different parts of their cycles it's they just can't handle that like it's the same with exercise yeah yeah so are we seeing the same things come into play when it comes to pain are we finding the menstrual period or menstrual cycle is then affecting our thresholds with pain yeah i actually did a bit of reading into this even in terms of the exercise perspective they'll um their um rate of perceived exertion rp is much higher in the luteal phase like even though it's the same <laughs> the same exercise they would have pre- previously been like a two out of four um they perceive it as like that six seven eight um even though yeah <laughs> so, real sad during the deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not it and same with yeah um during your actual menstruation they just don't tolerate it's just isn't as comfortable as mainly the reason they don't want to engage as much um but yeah you might find in the luteal phase they won't tolerate their pain or um their exertion as much um and again that's just to do with the the drop and your mood drops um and that kind of brain chemistry that kind of happens with it too yeah yeah, which just like blows my mind that every single month we go through like that was that yesterday. No wonder we look like crazy lunatics running down the street. Like it totally <laughs> makes sense now. 
I'm exhausted. I'm here for it though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We were actually talking earlier about how some days you just want to cry at the cute panda bears that are on YouTube. And and that's definitely during the luteal phase um, when I can't deal with pain and everything hurts. (laughs) And I guess during those times, is that when we, we were selecting things like maybe a gentler like yoga or stretch or a softer yeah. Pilates or something that we're finding, again, working with that same rate of perceived exertion that we're still hitting that same rate of perceived exertion rather than needing to hit six yeah. times 50 dumbbell weights or something. Yeah, pick pick your wins or pick your battles. So, yeah, definitely I always say if you're having the lower days doing either something with a friend that also has got a lot of evidence too. So during the little phase, if you, you know, go for a walk with a friend, it kind of boosts your mood a bit more or your adherence will stay there too. And yeah, I always say kind of cross train to those lower intensity exercises at that time point. But again, if you are feeling good, then go for it um, because then you're still going to make those gains. Um, I think you just don't want to be following so strictly that you're, they're not getting the other big gains at the same time. So if you're not feeling great, yeah, choose something a bit lighter, but otherwise keep going like yeah, without overtraining. I like that. Yeah, just, the nice balance. <laughs> I think it is really important that we start to have a look at that, you know, that perceived rate of exertion rather than we kind of go to the gym, they give you a little card, your program's on the card and we yeah. follow that, that it's starting to listen to what we are doing with yeah. our bodies and what's coming on board with those. And I think that's probably the massive takeaway from today that getting our patients to understand what that is. I want to say a big thank you for being with us today, Nicole. And thank I know you. that Myers will take a massive amount of knowledge from this because it is something that unfortunately gets left out significantly in our training. And it's always this part that a lot of us always have questions about to be like, hey, is that doing something? Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing no, all your knowledge for having around me. women's health. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, guys. Share our podcast if you enjoyed today. Follow us on social media for our upcoming professional development and events in your coming area. Thanks for all joining us today and stay tuned for our next episode of Myo Matters.